we've been doing this series, Who is Jesus? And so I get the privilege and the honor to be up here and introduce you to the real Jesus, not the mysterious Jesus, not the Jesus that you, that you just heard of, not the Jesus that it is absent, but the Jesus that you can know on a personal level. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, uh, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And it's one of the pillars of our church introducing Jesus. But who is Jesus? He is the Christ. He is the Son. He is the Builder. He is the Ladder. He is the Servant. He is the Human. He is the Physician. He is the Shepherd. He is the Teacher. Short, this is going to be a short list. Uh, he is the teacher. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is my soon coming king, the holy one of Israel, the creator of everything. And he's coming back again to receive his bride unto himself in all of his heavenly glory. To rule forever and eternity. Amen. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's go. He is the God of the here and now who is seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for you and me. He is the one, he is the one who has got the name above all names, and at, the, at that name every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he right. is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Amen. I said he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is the baptizer. He is the savior of the world. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the line of the tribe of Judah. He is the Lamb of God. Who is, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the I Am. He is God. That's who Jesus is. Can I get an amen? Can I, say, can I get an amen? Identify with that. That He is the great I Am and He is God. That's who Jesus is. And you get to know Him on a personal level. You get to communicate with Him on a personal level. That's right. You get to communicate with him in intimate moments. He is the friend that's just closer than a brother. He is the one that can make a way when there seems to be no way. He is the one that is mindful of everything that you ever have needed or that you want. He is the supplier of everything. He's made everything for his glory. And he's coming back to receive his bride. And I want to be on that list. Who wants to be on that list? Amen. 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 That's the intro. Amen. <laughs> so today, one thing I didn't put on the list, today, the title for this message is Jesus the Eucharist. You say, whoa, tell me. Jesus the Eucharist? Yes. Jesus the Eucharist. And this term may be familiar to some, and it may have some baggage to some. But Eucharist, it's like, what is Eucharist? Well, here we go. The Eucharist, also called Holy Communion or Lord's Supper. Eucharist is from the Greek Eucharistia, which means Thanksgiving. It's the, uh, it's the central act of Christian worship and is practiced by most Christians, by most Christian churches in some form. We call it communion. But today, we're going to call it Eucharist. And we're going to partake 
partake in the Eucharist at the end of service today before, before we let you go. And, and the Eucharist is special. It's a special time. And we're going to shake, shake you up a little bit with using the term Eucharist. Okay. When the hour came, in Luke 22, starting with verse 14, it says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And again he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, give it for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Amen. Amen. I want to say hello to our online community. We're so thankful that you joined us this morning. But we have three points that we're going to go over. And point number one is, is the Eucharist a seven? You never thought about it? Is the Eucharist a symbol? Is it a symbol? It is a symbol, yes. It's a symbol of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. It's a symbol of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. His body was broken just right after this, right after the Lord's Supper, right after he was communing with his uh, disciples. His body was broken and he was sacrificed for us. And you know, whenever there was a large group of people that were following him and, and he had said, hey, you know, you're going to have to eat of my flesh and you're going to have to drink my blood. And there was quite a few of them that left. They, they walked away. They said, mm, that teaching's too hard for me. And the amazing thing is that Jesus didn't run after those. He didn't run after them. They say, like, oh, no, 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 you didn't understand. That's not really what I was saying. He didn't, he, he didn't run after that. He didn't run after them at that point. You know, in, in some religions, some some beliefs, there, there's a word called train. I'll use a big word this morning. It wasn't in my East Texas vocabulary two weeks ago, but it's called transubstantiation. Anybody know what transubstantiation is? Transubstantiation. Transubstantiation is there is some religious, some Christian beliefs that believe that when you partake of the sacred elements, when you take of the bread and you take of the wine or the juice, that there, uh, a priest offers, offers that up and he says a blessing over it. And then at that point, that it is actually transformed into the body and the blood of Christ. We don't believe that here. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't follow that teaching at, uh, at Thrive. Gateway doesn't follow that teaching. 
the churches that I attended, which have only been very limited, three or four in my 25 years of being a Christian, none of those churches believe that that way either. And that's not something that we that we that we believe here at Thrive. But there are people out there who do believe. But it's a symbol. So when that when you partake of the, of the bread, you're remembering that his body was broken. It's a symbol of his body being broken. It's a symbol. So is the Eucharist, second one, is the Eucharist more than a symbol? How would you answer that? Is the Eucharist more than a symbol? Yes, it's more than just a symbol. You know, there are different types of, different symbols carry more weight or they're more important or more significant than other symbols. And we'll give, we'll give you an example. You have an example, uh, anybody ever seen the little uh, signs they put at the gas stations or at Walmart, or we have them here where they put out that says wet floor? And you say, oh, it's just a wet floor, you just continue moving right on. There's that symbol. And then there's the symbol when you're driving down the road and, and you're fixing to cross Cedar Creek Lake and there's a sign right there that says bridge out. Which one are you going to pay more attention to? <laughs> oh, that's a wet floor. I got, you know, I got the detour around there, right there. Oh, with that bridge out, you're going to stop, turn around, and find a different route. Uh, there's also the stop sign. How many of us love stop signs? You love stop signs in rural areas, huh? Both people consider them a suggestion. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a command. <laughs> It's a law. You need to stop at the stop sign. But, you know, a stop sign on a rural road. You know, you say you're out in the Bethel area north of Athens on a county road out there, and then all of a sudden there's just a stop sign and you pull it to it. And there's not a house for half a mile in either direction. You, you know, you drive this road every day, you see two cars. And one of them, your wife, as you're driving home. <laughs> How much, sign, how much attention are you going to give to that stop sign there? It's going to be more like on the California roads that you just don't stop and just keep on going. But let's take that same stop sign in that same rural area, that same intersection right there, and you put a state trooper right there beside it. What's the significance of that stop sign thing? Are you just going, are you going to California, just going to barrier and slow down? And keep on going, you're going to make sure to stop, make sure the truck or car rocks, <laughs> check the ways, and then ease on through. So, different signs, different symbols carry different weight. And it's the same thing with the Eucharist. It's not just bread and drink, it is bread and it is drink. But when you're taking it, in remembrance of what he's done for us, it's more than just bread and drink. Amen? Okay. The Eucharist is for here and now. 
The Eucharist is for the here and now. And we're going to go to Luke 24, verse 18. We're going to we're in Luke 24, we're going to go to verse 18, then we're going to jump down to 30. And so what happened is they're on their road to Emmaus, some, some disciples, some people that have been following Jesus' teaching. And this is after he has been crucified, he's been beaten, he's been crucified, he's been placed in the ground. He has rose from the dead. He's come back. And they're walking and they're discussing about what has been happening. And Jesus comes alongside them. They don't even know who he is. They don't recognize him. They just know it's a guy that showed up and they're talking. And, and they ask him the question. He says, Jesus says, what are you talking about? And one of the guys here says, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these three days? Are you the only one here that's not aware of what's been going on? So they didn't know who he was. But if you jump on down to verse 30, it says that when they had asked him, so they had asked him when they got close to Jerusalem, they said, hey, why don't you just come and hang out with us? You know, you don't have no place to stay. Just, just, just come and hang out with us. We'll find a place for you. And in verse 30, it says, and when they was at the table, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, Eucharistia, broke it, and began to give it to them. And their eyes were open. Their eyes at that point, they realized that they had been with the King of Kings. For reason's sake. What's up? See, that's powerful right there. <laughs> Just powerful. And their eyes were open to who he was. Let our eyes be open. Let our eyes be open. Jesus is present at the Eucharist. Does that seem strange to anyone? That during communion, Jesus is present. He is there. He is here. And it is now. You know, just like worship, when we're having, when you're when you're worshiping, when the when the worship team is singing and, and music invokes emotion and, and, and you begin to worship and you really begin to worship, even though you're performing a physical act, there are spiritual implications. There's something spiritual that's happening. Huh? That you're physically worshiping the King of Kings, the God who resides in unapproachable life. You're worshiping Him. And He's receiving it in heaven on His throne. And He hears you. So there's, there's physical acts and there's spiritual implications. 
Same thing when you're praying, when you're in your prayer closet in the morning, like uh, Ali was saying uh, earlier in her message about the teacher, that when you're, in, when you're in your closet in the morning, he will be there. You're doing a physical act that has spiritual implications. That things are happening. And, you know, Paul says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principles, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So, even though you're doing a physical act, it has spiritual implications. And it's the same thing with the Eucharist. Does that seem strange? doesn't seem strange to me. It didn't seem strange to me. You know, I, I grew up in church. Some of you know I grew up in a Pentecostal church. A, a, a Pentecostal. I had a Pentecostal background. There was, there was assemblies of God and, and uh, things of that nature. But you know, I grew up in Pentecostal. And, you know, when I was when I was young, hey, it's communion. Man, I want somebody to pray for you. Give me somebody to pray for you. Can I have some more? Can I have a second? Man, they only give me one little piece of this cracker. That's what we had like children's church, y'all, and we had to sit out here. You know, the little children sat out here. You're like messing up, you know, messing up two brothers when we're all within a year of one another. And we'd be horse playing for lack of a better term, you know. And my dad would go, y'all better be out here. Remind me to whoop you when I get <laughs> during, during communion, they'd be like, man, I need some more of that juice. Back then, it was just bread, and it was just juice. Paul said, when I was a child, I did childish things. But let's put away the childish behavior. Let's mature. And so with maturity, I know that although it is drink, it is bread. It's so much more than that. Taken in the con context that we're going to be receiving it this morning. And we're going to, we're going to receive communion this morning. There's, there's these little cups in the front seat in front of you. For you guys, it's right behind you. The little pocket right there. You may want to go ahead and start working on getting that cracker open because it takes a lot. <laughs> you know, we're, I'm going to tell you the truth because that's what the good Lord loves. He loves the truth. And those things are a little bit different from the open up sometimes. I work on you like, mm. <laughs> the same thing over here. <laughs> Get my pocket knife out. But... Point three. So what is our part? What is your part in the Eucharist? You ever thought about it that way? What is our part? What is your part? What is my part? Our part. Thank you. 
he's worthy. You know, he's good. He's good for taking communion this morning. It's not bad. For you to examine yourselves. Maybe this is like a fight. It's you to examine yourself. And just to realize that it's not anything that you've done to make yourself worthy. But it's being invited to the table. Have you been invited to the table? Are you invited to the table? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're invited to the table. And if you don't know Jesus, you can get to that. It's real simple. The Word says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess your sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what God says. That's not what Joey says. That's not what Pastor Nathan says. That's not what Thrive says. Thrive says. That's what God's words say. God says these things. So just examine ourselves. Jesus, not anything that I've done other than accept you, accept the free gift that you've given me, which means I've been invited to the table. The other thing is to remember. Remember the sacrifice. He was beaten when he graduated. He was beaten so bad that he was unrecognizable. He was beaten so bad that his entrails were extremes. That you could see into the inside of his abdomen. Bone chilling.
even when I was way far away doing horrible things, far from me, being my own God, doing my own thing, doing exactly what Joey wanted to do, that was not what God wanted me to do. She just knew that, hey, he's going to be. And if you were the only one, the only one, he would still do it. He still did it for you. That's the Jesus. He is the Eucharist. He is the bread that was broken. He was the bread that was bruised, that was torn. And he is the cup.
longer proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Go ahead and take it. Jesus. 